but there's no point in just creating really meh material day in and day out because there's just too much data out on the web already. DigitalMarketingRadio.com The Big Interview with David Bain What's the difference between a website and a blog? What's the best setup for a blog in 2014? And what's the future for blogging? Those are just three of the questions that I intend to ask our special guest today, Rich Brooks. Rich, welcome to DMR. Thank you very much for having me. I'm looking forward to it. You're welcome. Well, Rich is president of TakeFlight.com, a web design and internet marketing agency based in Portland, Maine. He's also founder of the digital marketing conference Agents of Change, taking place just a couple of weeks after this interview is published. So, Rich, when I asked you what subject you wanted to talk about today, you said blogging. Why was that? Well, I still think blogging is a critical part to any small business's online success. Uh, I know that social media gets a lot of the attention these days, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Instagram. I mean, those are sexy topics. There's no doubt about it. Um, But so many of these tools are really somebody else's tools. You know, we're, you know, you've heard the saying before, uh, when, when you're, publishing on Facebook, you're actually working somebody else's land. And you should always be building your own house on your own property. And so for me, one of the big reasons why I think blogging is so critically important is because it really is, to steal a line from my friend Denise Wakeman, it's a home for your intellectual property. So while I certainly go out and I use social tools like Facebook and Twitter, I often try and bring people back to my blog where I can do a little bit more education and uh, go a little bit deeper than 140 characters might allow me to. And also, before I got into social, I was really into search engine optimization, and SEO. And so for me, that was actually the reason I got started in blogging, because I wanted to create content that the search engines could find that would help me and my clients uh, gain visibility in the search engines. So there, was a lot of, there are a lot of reasons why I think blogging is still important, even if it happens to be that the buzz and the attention might be placed elsewhere. And so for perhaps more traditional marketers listening to this, they're perhaps interacting on social media a little bit, but I'm thinking of driving people back to their website. And perhaps they're not that comfortable with the differences between a website and a blog. How would you actually differentiate them both? Well, that's a good question. And quite honestly, I feel that the line has blurred dramatically, especially in the last few years between blogs and websites. In fact, <clears throat> right now, I mean, most, mo- a lot of companies I know, and a lot of agencies I know, and almost every internet marketer I know uses WordPress as their platform of choice. And the difference between a WordPress page and a WordPress post isn't all that dramatic. Uh, they look the same both on the front and back. Um, these days, you see web pages with sharing buttons, just like you used to see blogs. Um, now, I guess you could say that one big difference between a blog post and a web page is the fact that blog posts have comments. But there are a lot of popular bloggers that don't allow comments on their blogs. Seth Godin is one. Chris Brogan just stopped comments on his blog as well. So again, the line continues to blur all the time. And, you know, my day job is, you know, president of Flight New Media. And so I work with a lot of clients about how to build their business online. And when I mention the word blog, 
to some traditional industries, you can just see them tense up like, oh my God, I don't want to do a blog. That's too much work. And I say, well, you know what? Really, it's just a way of publishing your information more quickly and easily. So if you want to call it a news section, we can call it a news section. If you want to shut off the comments, we can shut off the comments. The bottom line is just about, it's a platform. It's a publishing platform. It's a way of you sharing your information, your knowledge, your expertise with the rest of the world as quickly as possible. Now, if we turn on the comments, we turn on the sharing buttons, and we do some promotion behind it, you're really gonna, it's going to act as an accelerant and reach a lot more people. But the bottom line is it's very similar to a web page these days. And quite honestly, earlier this year, we completely went through this overhaul. You mentioned TakeFlight.com. That's actually a new domain name for us. We had two different domain names, Flight.biz, which is our website, and uh, FlightBlog.com, which was our blog. And we ultimately decided to put them all under one roof, which is how I recommend people do it these days. I, I don't recommend having a separate blog and a website anymore. I think everything should just be integrated, and you should be building this platform that's this website-slash-blog hybrid uh, that you can continue to grow your business with. Right, okay. So so the big difference really is it allows you to publish your information quickly and easily and obviously through RSS helps you to syndicate that content production as well. Well, there is the RSS piece, but quite honestly, I don't know anybody who still uses like an RSS reader. I mean, I just don't see that anymore. I've stopped using it, you know, a long time ago. And if I can't subscribe to a blog via email, then I'm probably never going to see it again. So, you know, like I said, it's just it's getting blurrier and blurrier between what's a traditional website and what's a blog. And um, in terms of what the information should be, do you have any preferred recommended style? Uh, would you recommend your clients to actually publish long posts infrequently or should they be publishing blog posts on a regular basis? Well, the good news is every single style of blogs has been made popular and successful by at least a few people. So it's not like you can't do it in a way that makes sense for you. Um, you hear from some people, oh, and a blog post should never be more than 500 words because people um, don't want to read anything longer that, than that. And then you look over at the social media examiner and they don't really take any posts less than 1,500 words. You know, so you, that's been disproven. You hear people, ha you have to have comments on your blog and, and suddenly you see somebody like Chris Brogan draw comments, as I mentioned before. Um, I think you want to write in a way that feels comfortable for you, that makes sense for your audience. Now, when I first started getting uh, started in blogging, which was back in like 2007, the general consensus was you want to publish as often as you possibly can, even daily if you can do that, but certainly a couple, three times a week, which I think is what scared a lot of people away from blogging because it seemed like such a big commitment. And those of us who love to blog and love to write didn't understand what these people were complaining about. I mean, I would spend all day writing if I could. Um, what I suggest now is that you spend more time researching, crafting, polishing, and promoting So you, rather than just like putting something out there. In other words, spend more time creating an excellent post rather than creating a lot of mediocre posts. That's probably the best piece of advice I can give. For some people, that means they can publish only once a day. For other people, that means they can only publish once a month. But there's no point in just creating really meh material day in and day out because there's just too much data out on the web already. There's too much competition for your ideal customer to find. If yours is only mediocre, you're not going to hold their attention. Okay, so quality is absolutely essential here. Does that mean that there's no place in terms of 
your blog for outsourcing content now? Um, is it not worthwhile getting someone else to write it on your behalf, either in a pen name or perhaps building another author authorship profile on your own blog? Do you think as a business owner or senior player within a business, you're the person that has to do the blogging? I don't think that you're the person who has to do the blogging at all. I think for, you know, and, and again, that was something that we were told back in the day is that it has to be authentic. I, it has to be from you. I remember people were up in arms because somebody had their mascot penning their blog post for them and they thought that was so unnatural. I, I think it's more important to create valuable content that your ideal customer is going to find and put to use on the web than anything else. If you happen to be a good writer or at least can express yourself, that's fantastic. But if you don't have the time or the energy or the inclination or the skills to write good quality copy, then by all means, hire a ghostwriter, hire a copywriter. You know, we have many clients who, for whatever reason, can't create a steady stream of quality content. And when that happens, we bring in a copywriter. Uh, in a perfect world, you find a good copywriter who will come in and interview you and your team and possibly your customers to get a really good sense of who you are and what you uh, need to publish and, and share and then put that out there for you. And then you also come up with some sort of promotion schedule. Um, but I don't think it has to come from you. It's great if it does. And maybe what you could do is consider having a copywriter put together regular blog posts for you and then you could supplement them with some of your own. Okay, and what about content type? Because there's lots of different types of posts that you could make. Something like um, you could create a, an infographic, you could even publish a podcast episode as a blog post. You could also curate some content by referencing other blog posts out there as well. Is it important to mix up the different type of blog posts that you publish, or should you keep to one particular style? I don't think you should keep to one particular style, uh, only because if and it, although I'm sure somebody's made a successful go at just creating a blog full of infographics, I think for me personally as a reader, I wouldn't enjoy it all that much. Uh, there may be a few different styles that you want to go with because they're they're best for your type of business or best for your type of customer. Maybe if you've got something demonstrable, then you need to show uh, videos, embed some videos over YouTube back into your blog. Or maybe if you like doing interviews, uh, that your blog also hosts your podcast, so that might be something like that. But I think it's kind of like in baseball where a good pitcher will have three or four or two or three really good pitches. Maybe it's a fastball, a curve, and a breaker, something like that, so that you're constantly mixing it up so it doesn't feel redundant all the time and people start to feel like it's still being fresh. I think that's critically important. So maybe you don't have to have like 27 different styles of blog post on your blog, but doing the same type of post day in and day out is probably going to be a little bit tiring for both you and your readers. Now, many business owners are probably challenged by the thought of going down the blogging route, um, partly because they can't see any immediate call to action with regards to people purchasing a product or a service directly, because maybe they found that blog post through search engine optimization, a fairly generic keyword phrase, landing on an informational type post. There's not necessarily any pull through um, to make a purchase from that. So to a business concerned that a blog may not not provide good ROI, what would you say to that concern? Well, I think ROI is critically important. Um, and I do agree that if you're just starting a blog or just restarting your blog, you should not expect immediate results from that. But that's probably true with most uh, business investments. Um, if you need immediate results, then by all means, get into paid search, get into uh, 
uh, Facebook ads, but at the same time, be building your blog. Because the nice thing about the blog is that those posts, as long as they're evergreen posts, meaning that they don't um, have a deadline on them, uh, those posts will be around forever as long as you keep on paying your hosting fees. So you can create this long-term effect. And, and for a while, I wrote a blog post years ago uh, called How to Use Twitter for Business. And it was an early post, and it had some legs on it. And for years, I mean, I want to say like six years after I wrote that post, well, five years after I wrote that post, I was still getting 300 unique visitors a month to that blog post, which then brought people over to my website. Now, we weren't really selling any Twitter um, services per se, but it started to show our expertise in online marketing because we'd written this article that was ranking really well at the search engines and bringing traffic in. So I, I think it's a long-term investment when you do this, but you should start to see results within three or six months. A lot of this comes down to how you're writing your blog post, what your promotion is like, um, are you writing uh, with specific keywords in mind, are you using your keywords well, putting them in the title, putting them in the first couple sentences, um, do you have a call to action on that page that will drive traffic to a sales page on your website? These are all questions you have to ask yourself. And there are those nice rare occasions where you create a blog post and boom, you get an immediate sale from it. I was working with a um, company here in town and they uh, are a Microsoft partner and they sell or they work with companies that are using Dynamics GP, which is this accounting software, and they were targeting breweries. And they said, well, I don't understand how a blog would actually help. And I said, well, why don't you write a blog post? And they had already had a couple of brewers who were clients. I said, why don't you write a blog post explaining you know, some of the benefits of Dynamics GP specific to breweries? And so they wrote a post up, and like a week later, I hear from this lady. She says, we just landed a new client because they used the words Dynamic GP and brewery in the title, talked about what the services were all about, what the benefits were, and somebody from, a, uh, from Victory Brewing down in Pennsylvania did a Google search found the blog post, read it, called them up, and they got a new client. So sometimes you do have those stories. Your mileage may vary, but you do occasionally write that exact blog post that answers the exact question that your audience is asking, and you get an opportunity to make the sale. Right, okay. And you, you certainly had a convert to blogging there as well. <laughs> Absolutely. I told her she shouldn't expect that kind of result with every blog post. <laughs> but uh... So um, blogging is obviously working well at the moment, but it's a long-term investment. Um, but it's still very important in 2014. But moving forward, um, have you got any thoughts on what blogging is going to look like in 2015, 2016? How is it going to change over the next couple of years? Well, I've never been great at predicting the future, but I do see that things are starting to come together. So we talked about the fact that the website and the blog are really almost the same, at least that you know they're, they're building the platform together. Um, one of the things that has definitely fallen by the wayside we mentioned earlier is these RSS feeds, at least RSS feeds as far as news readers go. And I know that there are still some people who are using news feeds, uh, a, a news reader, an RSS reader, but really those are the outliers. Um, for most people, they're just, they never really got into the news readers. That's not how they digest their information. Um, so one of the things that I believe, again, getting to the idea that these are just publishing platforms that we're using and all these tools are coming together is um, right now what I'm recommending for people is rather than having a blog with an RSS feed or an RSS feed and email sign up and then also having an email newsletter separate is just combining everything. So these days when we rebuilt our website and blog into one entity, um, we also took our email list, which we had been building on Constant Contact, and our 
email for the blog, which we had been using um, a feed burner from that Google now owns, and we combine that into one list. And so basically, right now we've got an editorial calendar. We publish uh, one big post a week and usually one fluff or promotional post each week. And then we bundle it w into one email each week that goes out and maybe talking about a couple other things we're doing as well. So from a tool standpoint, you know, we the publishing tools will continue to get easier. It's going to get easier to put podcasts in, easier to put videos in, easier to do those kind of rich content within a blog post. But from a strategy standpoint, I really think you need to think about the blog is a centerpiece of your fresh content and your evergreen content on your website and your email newsletter, your email list you're building is your best distribution channel. Right, okay, so the blog will still, still be the centre point, um, but it should be more closely integrated with, with, with other areas of your online business. And that's where, obviously, services like marketing automation comes into things. Um, but um, that probably provides a good segue into the second part of our show, which is your views on digital marketing today. So let's start off with... Software I couldn't live without. What software do you currently use in your business that if someone took away from you, it would significantly impact the success of your business? Oh, there's a lot of different pieces of software. Uh, I mentioned Constant Contact. We do a lot with email marketing. Obviously, uh, WordPress. If we didn't have WordPress, my life would come to a crashing halt. I, I'd probably have to go back to writing on stone tablets or something <laughs> like that. Um, I'm going to give a shout out to uh, to two things. These are smaller things, but I find them incredibly important and they're fairly new to me uh, or to a certain degree. One is ScreenFlow. If you're on a Mac and you're doing anything where you need to teach people how to do something on your computer, ScreenFlow is a tool I use. I, I find it to be so good at not just capturing screen video, but also importing video. And it's such an easy video editor that I use it for all of my video, even if I didn't do a screen capture. Like I've set up just a video camera in the office, recorded something, brought it over to my computer just to use the video software uh, editing within ScreenFlow. So that's one thing. If you're not on a Mac, Camtasia is a close second. And then the other thing that I just discovered and I absolutely love is a Gmail app called Boomerang, which it basically <laughs> you can, it sounds like you know this. I, I just discovered it a couple of weeks ago myself. I'm finding it very yeah. useful, yeah. So uh, for, for the listeners who haven't discovered it, who are using Gmail, what I love about it is there's two main features that one is uh, the, basically the boomerang feature where when I send out an email, especially when there's a proposal or a work agreement attached, yeah, I have a CRM, I can track it down that way. But what I like about this tool is if nobody responds to that email in say a couple days by default, but there's any, but you can set any length of time, I get an email back saying no one has responded to this proposal, what do you want to do? And then I can decide if I want to delay it, kind of hit the snooze button, or usually I'll get back in touch with the person just ask, hey, did you get a chance to see that proposal? Were you able to open it? And that just makes my life so much easier because I can just let go. Because I know that it's going to come back, boomerang back to me if I uh, if I haven't gotten a response. And there are some other features in there as well. One of the things is you can send something later. So if you're really angry with your client, you can write a nasty note and then hit send later and leave the office and be clear of any uh, retribution you might get, you know, and be gone <laughs> for the night. I wish I would have. Okay, so I'd like you to look back on the very first day that you're involved in trying to mark a business, market a business online. What didn't you do so well and what do you wish that you would have done differently? Oh, there's 
David, there's so many things I didn't do well and continue to not do well to this day. Um, I will say that probably building my list. I wish I had started and made that my number one priority from the day I started my business. And I'm not saying I, I didn't do anything, but knowing what I know now, I would have made that the number one priority is building an opt-in list of people who wanted to hear about web design and internet marketing and entrepreneurship. That would have been what I would have done. Best advice I've ever received. What is the best piece of digital marketing advice that you've ever received? Oh, shoot. I wish I hadn't used the build your listing <laughs> on the last one. Um, let's see. Uh, the best advice that I ever received. The world is bigger than you imagine. And this is probably a little bit bigger than just digital marketing. But um, I was concerned that I had the same message that so many other people do. I mean, I'm not the first person to do web design and internet marketing. I'm not the first person, you know, to go out there and talk about some of these tools. And I just felt that other people were out there saying the same messages, saying the same things. And what could I bring to the table? What? Why would anybody want to hear my voice? And uh, Mike Stelzner from Social Media Examiner actually said that to me. He says, the world is bigger than you realize. And by that, what he meant is that he, he said, we have over, at that time, over 100,000 subscribers to our email newsletter. And yet there are social media professionals who have never heard of us, which I just found astounding, but also realized it was true at the same time. The thing is, we there's so many people out there who need our help, who maybe have not found the right audience or found the right mentor, that we do have a responsibility to share our knowledge and our expertise, which of course then hopefully brings us business. And the other thing is, even if they have heard somebody who has a similar message to you or has a similar business to you, that doesn't mean that they like the way that person is presenting the information or that it makes sense to them. Your voice is one of your most important assets. And the way that you explain things and the way that you share that information is critically important to your success. And just because somebody else is out there talking about how to train a dog, that doesn't mean that there's not somebody else there who wants to hear your version of how to train a dog. Well, I'm so glad that I did ask that question, best advice I've ever received, even even though you thought it was maybe fairly similar to the previous question, that that answer is so different and so so appropriate and relevant and, and of great use because um, I, I've certainly in the past not moved forward with certain businesses because maybe I've found other people doing similar things or bloggers offering, offering similar kind of advice. And the world is bigger than you think would certainly have made me think and perhaps have taken a different option back then. Well, I'm glad I'm glad I could share the advice that somebody shared with me. Well, I'm sure someone else will certainly benefit from that. But let's move on to the this or that round. Okay, so this is the quick response round. Ten quick questions. Try not to think about the quest, the answer too much. I'm just looking for your gut reaction. Ready to go? I've stretched. I'm ready. Good, good. Email or Twitter? Email. Audio or video? Audio. Affiliates or display advertising? Affiliates. Facebook or Google Plus? Facebook. Online press. I hope Martin Shervington is not listening to this recording. <laughs> Sorry, go on. Online press releases or one on one relations? One on one relations. Paid search or SEO? Uh, SEO. Email contact form or telephone number? Email contact form. Website or app? Website. Social subscriber or email subscriber? Email subscriber. Local marketing or global marketing? Local marketing. Yay! 
Okay, let's move straight. What do I win? <laughs> um, you win. Um, hopefully lots of great comments by the people interacting on digital marketing radio social media profiles. Great response. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, which takes us on to... The $10,000 question. If I was to give you $10,000 and you had to spend it over the next few days on a single digital marketing activity, what would you spend it on and how would you measure success? All right, $10,000, and I can spend it on one thing. All right, well, as you mentioned before, Agents of Change, my conference is on my mind, and it's where we've spent the most money in terms of advertising and marketing. So if I were going to spend $10,000, I would actually do uh, homepage takeovers of all the major news websites in Maine, possibly, and and in New England. In other words, you've seen these are super annoying, but basically you go to the homepage of in my hometown, it's the Press Herald, and there's a giant ad. In this case, it would be for the agents of change, and you have to close it to bring up the rest of the news. But the bottom line is they are very effective. They're great for recognition. And to get more people into the seats of the agents of change, I would definitely consider doing one of those uh, full-page takeover. It's about $1,500 to $2,000 for Maine, probably significantly more in Boston, but it might be worth doing uh, just to get in front of some people that I haven't reached yet. Wow. And would you split test or could you split test different call to actions or do you have something in mind um, that you, you would actually just say as a call to action? That's a great question. Um, I hadn't thought about it. I am a big fan of A-B split testing whenever it's possible. I would probably be running different ads in different places because in Maine, people are going to drive here, but I would like to attract some people from outside of Maine, and we do get some, um, who might want to stay in hotels or uh, for some people... Maine is like this beautiful, I mean, they call it vacation land for a reason. And a lot of people either have memories from childhood or they've always wanted to go to Maine. They have this beautiful vision of Maine. So in places like Boston and New York, I might sell the idea of come to a social media and search engine optimization conference in Maine and talk up the Maine aspect of it. But outside of that, I don't know that I would really invest as much in A-B split testing, but you bring up a good point. My number one takeaway... Rich, you've offered a lot of great advice in our conversation, but what's the number one takeaway? What's the most important step that our listeners need to take away and implement in their own businesses? Well, obviously today I wanted to talk about blogging, so I really do think that that's important. I think creating a consistent series of blog posts that improve your search engine visibility and then promoting those blog posts both through your social channels but also by sending out emails to an opt-in list that's all part of it. So really the takeaway is about using your blog to build your email list by saying something like, never miss another post, give us your email address now. So build, use your blog to build your email address and that's how you're going to generate more leads and more sales for your business. Well, that takes us to the end of our discussion today. Thank you so much for your time, your focus and your willingness to give back. What's the best way for our audience to find out more about what you do and how can they get hold of you? All right. Well, I guess um, if you just want to chat with me while I'm online, you can always find me on Twitter. I'm at the Rich Brooks. If you are interested in joining us either in Portland, Maine or online, because there is a live feed of our conference, uh, you can go check out the Agents of Change Con, C-O-N, dot com. And uh, if you just want to check out some of the uh, web design and internet marketing stuff that I do, head on over to takeflight, F-L-Y-T-E dot com, and you can find out all about me and the stuff that we're doing. Wonderful. Well, I'm sure lots of our listeners will get in touch. Thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure. Thank you, David. Hey, thanks so much for joining us today on Digital Marketing Radio. Remember, you can get every interview before it's published as a podcast. 
delivered as a weekly digital magazine automatically to your tablet or smartphone. And that's for Apple or Android. Just go to digitalmarketingradio.com for links to where you can subscribe and join the rest of the Digital Marketing Radio posse. Catch you again soon. Digital Marketing Radio.